Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Morning, church. What a good-looking bunch of people you are. Yeah. And I love young people. <laughs> Every time uh, Leo and Christine come to our church, they say, oh, I love old people. But every time I come here, I so feel energized with the spirit of the youth, spirit of the young family that ready to pioneering, ready to take action. I love old people, but yeah. I love old people. Okay. <laughs> and uh, is it over there? Yeah, for Red Point families that are watching, hi. Um, I just want to say something to you guys that it's so encouraging to see uh, the church grows and uh, what's going on in the life of the church. Um, and it's so amazing that even though um, you're moving to another building and stuff, yet you're still pioneering into another area in the city. It's so amazing to see. And I just want to thank you guys for being faithful to your community, being faithful to your city. And I just want to say the best is yet to come. I believe this is this year or next year going to be 30 year, 30 next year. Be a mature church. You're going to be a mature church that impacted the city, impacted the nation, impacted the nations. And I'm so encouraged and um, so blessed to be with you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. There we go. Fantastic. Let's just put our hands together. I'm sure they'll see this at some point, but just honor Leo and Christine, your senior <laughs> leaders, amazing people. And I think they're back really soon. They're back really, really soon. So um, you'll get to, get to see them soon. I've got a, a message burning on my heart this morning. And look, just thanks for having us here. I love being able to come to a church for like two weekends in a row because I feel you can build something and you can go, go somewhere. Um, rather than just to try and hit it in a one-off message. And so I want to encourage you to really open your hearts to just whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life this morning. As I said last week, I'm okay with wild, I'm okay with loud, I'm okay with divine interruptions, I'm okay with all of that, because I believe the Holy Spirit can move when He wants to move and touch who He wants to touch. And church is not meant to be a quiet place, and I thank God that GGC is not quiet. Uh, one of the things we love about this church, it's meant to be a lively place because every person that Jesus touched went walking and leaping and praising God. And uh, so some of you this morning, when Jesus touches you, you are going to go walking. Some of you are going to go leaping and praising God. You might even find while I'm preaching that something starts to stir up because I can feel the fire already. Something starts to stir up on the inside of you. And uh, if you can't contain it, uh, let me give you some advice. Don't contain it. Fire's not meant to be contained. And so if the fire starts to burn on the inside of you, just let it out. Let it out. Let it flow. Let God do what He wants to do. Because it's all about Jesus anyway. 
Awesome. If you're writing and you're taking notes this morning, this is the title of the message. I want to teach you how to live beyond your means. In other words, living by faith. I suppose if I have one concern in the body of Christ, ever since the 2008-2009 global financial crash that uh, hit America and then hit the rest of the world, the one phrase I've heard so often, and I understand what people mean by it, is, Cliff, you really need to just live within your means. The world got into a massive mess because it decided to live beyond its means. And I agree with that in the sense of we're not here to get into debt so you can live like someone that you're actually not in that sense. So in other words, you rack up thousands of dollars of credit card debts and thousands of dollars of personal loans. That's bad living beyond your means. But there is an element of faith where you can have the resources that you have and you can do far more than you've ever done in your life so that when people look back and they say, something's not right there, that person has to be living beyond their means because I know what they get, I know what they earn, I know where they're working, how on earth are they able to do all the things that they're doing? It's called faith. And what faith does is faith breaks us out of the natural and puts us into the supernatural and you start to live beyond your means. How many of you this morning want to live beyond your means? You see, the thing with faith, and I'll unpack this in a minute, is a lot of people are saying, well, I'll wait till I have all the resources to do something. You're going to wait a long, long, long time. Because when Jesus fed the 5,000, he didn't have all the resources. He had a boy's lunch. He wasn't waiting for the rest to come. He had heard the voice of his father. And so what was he doing? He was living beyond his means. I look back over the years and some of the stuff we've done, some of the places we've been to, some of the things God's done through us, it is far beyond our means. We don't, in the natural, have the financial capacity to do some of the things that we've done over the years, but we're not limited to natural financial provision because we serve Jesus Christ. We serve the resurrected King, and your bank account happens to be in heaven. And last time I checked, heaven wasn't running empty. God's not struggling to pay the power bill, and He's not selling three of the pearly gates just so He can cover some expenses. God's not short. He doesn't have short arms and long pockets. He is the ultimate provider. And I've just been listening to stories even last night of how people have been blessed with houses and things and how God has opened up doors miraculously. That's what I mean by living beyond your means. You see, you can't make decisions on your future based on the resources you have available at the moment because you will make the wrong decision, friends. Your decision has to be based on what has God said? Where is he leading me? Even if I don't have the resources right now, I can put my faith out because faith is the currency of heaven and I can receive along the way all the provision I need to get the job done. We often look at people and maybe some of your favorite podcast preachers or TV preachers or whatever, and you think, wow, they've just got it all and it's all success, and I've met some of them. And when you talk to them, it's all done by faith. People think they've got millions of dollars stacked away somewhere. A lot of them, the ones that I've met, the ones that I know, didn't have millions of dollars stacked away. They did it by faith. And God provided 
on the journey. I believe fear is one of the great things that has caused people to back off faith, and we're going to deal with that this morning. God wants you to live beyond your means. We're not here to just make pragmatic decisions based on what we currently have. We're here to make decisions based on what He said we can have. One of the things I've been teaching my son is that when he asks me for something, he's six, I've stopped using the phrase, we can't afford that. Because if the whole of his life, all he hears is we can't afford, can't afford, can't afford, can't afford, he's going to grow up with a poverty mentality that says there's certain things in life we can't afford. So now we say to him, well, if you really want that, my boy, you know Jesus, and you need to pray, and you need to ask Jesus, and you need to put your faith out there and believe for that to come, because that's what daddy has to do. That's what mommy has to do. Never say you can't afford something. Always say, I'll be back for it later. I never walk into that shop. Why? Because I know the stuff there is too expensive. So I've never even walked in. It's the very shop you should walk in and the very place you should start to go and look around and the very place you should start to extend your faith. We had a shop in our city and uh, I never went in there because I knew it was an expensive shop. And one day, Rudy Furlong was with me. Some of you may know them. They lead the church in Mount Gambia. Amazing couple, Rudy and Wendy. And Rudy said, we're going into that shop. And I said, no, we're not. And he said, yes, we are. And he walked into the shop and he bought me one of these hats. I love hats. And uh, it's a hat that I wouldn't have paid for and I wouldn't have, but it broke something in me. And then God blessed us and we ended up buying a whole bunch of stuff from that store. And got amazing deals and amazing specials and, and, and blessings that just came out of nowhere. And you, but the reality is I was, I was walking around saying, can't afford, too expensive, can't do, won't go. You've got to stop using that kind of language, friend, because what you're doing is you're potentially talking yourself out of your future. It doesn't matter what you can't afford. What did God say you can have? Uh-huh. So let's unpack this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read the famous chapter on faith. Now let me, let me say this because people get nervous. I believe in good stewardship. I believe in saving money. I believe in wise planning. But here's the deal. None of that can substitute faith. And that, let me throw something out that's a bit challenging. If you're doing what you can do comfortably on the resources you currently have, you might not be walking fully by faith. Hashtag just saying. Because I don't want to just do what I can do because then I know I'm probably doing it in the natural. I want to do more than what, I, what I'm able to do. I want to go beyond. I want to extend further. I want to see more, be more. That's called faith. And we've got to get the church out of pragmatism and launch back into the realm of faith. Because a whole heap of fear came over the church 10 years ago and people were worried that they were going to lose everything and everything was going to shut down. Let me tell you, if you're sowing into the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what happens with the world economy. The world economy can go belly up, but if your treasure's in the kingdom of God, God has a way of looking after His children that supersedes world markets. So we don't need to live in fear. It's the biggest killer of faith is fear. 
I won't have enough. I'm going to hold on. I'm not going to step out and do that because if I do, I don't know if I'll have enough for myself, blah, 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 blah. Do what God has told you to do and watch God meet you there on the other end. You know, sometimes if you know all the details, you won't do things. And so sometimes that's why it's best not to have the details. I know, I look back now and I think, okay, seven and a half years of leading a church, I would have gone now. But if you had asked me four years ago, would you have left Auckland and gone to Hastings knowing what you knew was going to happen? I would have said absolutely not. I mean, who wants to walk through some of the stuff we walked through? You'd be crazy to sign up for that. So God didn't show us until we got there, and then it's too late. <laughs> then you have to learn to live by faith. And I think I may have used this example somewhere during the course of the last two weeks, but how many spies went into the promised land? Twelve. How many names do you know of the twelve? Who are they? Who are the others? You've had a week to work it out. Some of you didn't even go and look. Why? No one cares who they are. We don't care. We don't care. Because they came back with a negative report. They were anti-faith. You know, you get people walking around the church and oh, this is wrong and that's wrong. I'm a prophet. You, you, you know, I'm prophetic. You're not prophetic. You're pathetic, my friend. You need to change. You need to change your lenses because it doesn't take a prophet to pull out all the stuff that's wrong. And listen, let me tell you something about the church. The day you find a perfect church, I think the great Billy Graham said, the moment you walk in, it will no longer be perfect because you arrived. <laughs> we all bring our imperfections into the church. So cut some slack and stop looking for a perfect church and look for a place you can plant yourself and serve and give your gift. That's faith. Well, I don't like the songs. The songs are not for you. They for Jesus, not for you. And listen, let me tell you, if you're in a church where you never get challenged, you're in the wrong church. If every time it's just how beautiful you are, how amazing you are, nothing wrong with you, you're perfect. You're in, let me tell you something, you're in the wrong church because the word of God is a mirror and when you, don't, you don't just read the word, the word reads you. And when the word's being preached, there'll be things that'll be called for for you to change and adjust. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. So if you're feeling a little hot under the collar or getting a little challenged, you're in a good place this morning, so rejoice. I won't go back to that place. They just challenge on a Sunday. Yeah, good. You need to grow. You need to grow up. You've been around a long time. We need to see some fruit on your life. What do you do to a fruit tree that never produces fruit? We had one. It was on its third year, and my wife walked out into the garden, and this is a true story. She stood it, and she said, right, you've been here for three years. This is it. No fruit this year. We're cutting you out. Two months later, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> we, we're supposed to produce fruit, and faith will produce fruit. All right, so let's read this together. Hebrews 11. I love this. Just love this, love this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. 
For by faith the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel brought God a better and more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, because of which it was testified of him that he was righteous. And God bore witness by accepting and acknowledging his gifts, and though he died, yet he is still speaking." It's powerful. Because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven. That's the way to go. Honestly, here today, gone tomorrow, just walking through the mall and whew, what happened to him? He got taken up. He's in heaven. He's gone. It's a great way to go. If you're believing to go sometime, that's a great way to go. We're all going to go sometime anyway. So that he did not have a glimpse of death. He was not found because God had translated him for even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony that he had pleased and been satisfactory to God. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. Now, let me just say this. That's got nothing to do with your salvation in the sense of whether you will lose your salvation or not. It's got to do with whether you're going to please God by doing what he asked you to do. How many of you have got children here this morning? How many of you is it so pleasing when you ask the first time that they clean their room that they actually do it on the first time? It's a pleasing thing for a parent. How many of you know it's not pleasing when it's the sixth time and now you're threatening further action? So the whole thing with faith and pleasing God is that we develop a relationship with Jesus whereby we're able to hear him quickly and respond quickly to what he's asked us to do. That's pleasing to the Father. All right, for whoever would come near to God must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Who does God reward? Those who earnestly and diligently. That sounds like effort to me. You see, God is opposed to you earning your salvation, but he's not opposed to you extending some effort in your salvation. That person that got that breakthrough, that person that's in that place where you thought you should be, that person that's having all those miraculous doors open for them, maybe, just maybe they've been earnestly and diligently seeking God, and God is now rewarding them. Hashtag, just saying. Because people always, you always find someone, and hopefully not here, but normally in one church, there's always one person saying, well, I never get blessed, and they always get blessed. And Well, maybe, maybe they've been doing some things that are actually in the Scripture, and God's rewarding them. That's why they've been blessed. And if you could get your head high enough to see what God has for you and start to do what's in His Word, you too could be blessed. Well, I'm just going through a valley. How long's your valley be? Oh, I've been in the valley 40 years, brother. For 40 years this December, we've been in the valley. Something wrong if you've been in a valley for 40 years. No, seriously. God loves you enough not to keep you there. You're, not, you're, not, you're obviously not doing something. You're not reading your word. You're not diligently seeking him. You're not putting in so, so, some things that need to be put in place because it wasn't, you know, and, and then people say, well, I believe God's teaching me something. You are a slow learner. If for 40 years you're in the valley, what are you? I'm learning humility. Well, you need to learn a whole lot quicker than 40 years. Because it's going to finish soon and you're going to be in heaven. God called you to be productive here on the earth. 
I get so annoyed with some of the religious nonsense that gets sprouted out from all over the place that, you know, you, you, before you come to Jesus, sin messes you up. Because that's what sin does. It breaks you, it messes you, it puts you in environments that are not good for you. And then people come into the church, they meet Jesus, who is the healer. And then you get some religious person saying, well, you know, God's going to now break you for the next 10 years before you can do anything for Jesus. Where do we get that stuff? He's a healer. He's a restorer. He's a father. Yes, there may be things that are going to be corrected in your life, but he's always going to correct you, not to take you down, to take you higher. A lot of those things that I mentioned, people have put them in there because they're just too lazy to extend their faith. So when people are lazy to extend their faith, what they do is they come up with religious nonsense to try and justify what they're walking through. Don't listen to their religious nonsense. Read your Bible and find out what Jesus said. Who, who wants to walk through a valley for 40 years? Please come up to the front. I'll lay hands on you this morning. And I don't know if I'm going to be here 40 years from now, but if I am, I'd like to meet you again and ask you how it's going. Anyone up for that? Gee, no one running to the front. Because even if you've been saved five minutes, you know that that's not the will of God for your life. Are we going to face persecution? Yes. Will there be trouble? Yes. Will there be suffering? Yes. But what happens? We grieve now, but joy comes in the morning. We come out the other side. We are, not, we are overcomers for a reason. An overcomer does exactly that. He overcomes an obstacle. Let's read this, verse 7. This is a great one. By faith, Noah being forewarned by God concerning events of which was yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. God said, I was going to flood the world. They didn't even know where there was water. And can you imagine, it took a long time to build that ark. Can you imagine the ridicule? What are you doing? Building an ark. Why? It's going to flood. We're in a desert, bro. It'll be like saying there's going to be a massive flood that's going to cover Alice Springs all the way through to Sydney. You'd be saying, oh, whatever. I mean, most of Australia is a desert. We all know that. So you can imagine trying to build an ark in that environment and being ripped to pieces for a long, long, not one day, to a lot, years, years and years of mockery. But then came a day when the rain began to fall and all of a sudden others wanted in on the boat. See, people say, Cliff, how long have I got to stand in faith? As long as it's going to take. As long as it's going to take. Let's jump to verse 11. Because of faith, some, some ladies, particularly older ladies, get nervous of this verse, so we won't be praying for this this morning, so just relax. Because of faith, also Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it. Because she considered God who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. So from one man, though he was physically as good as dead, there have sprung descendants whose number is as of the stars of heaven and as countless and as innumerable as the sands on the seashore. What was that? One promise. One promise. 
one couple standing believing against all the odds that what God said would come to pass. And here you and I sit today, descendants of that very promise. So what is faith? Let me give you a definition. If you took that verse, verse 1, and you carved it up and you looked at some of the original language, you could translate it this way. Faith is the standing firm, immovable seizing hold of the thing you are confidently and full of expectation believing for. Let me read that again. Faith is the standing firm, immovable, seizing hold of the thing you are confidently and full of expectation believing for. Faith is giving substance to things we are hoping for. That word substance is about digging in, standing firm, standing under the word, can't be moved. When you operating in true faith and you know what God has said, you can't be moved. No matter who says what, no matter what the circumstances, I've learned this, that a lot of Christians are one text message, one email, one comment away from dropping their faith and just abandoning everything. Because it's in meetings like this on a Sunday that God will drop something in your heart, that he'll tell you this is what he's called you to do. And the first thing that's going to happen when you walk out of here is the devil will make sure someone comes across your path to tell you that ain't going to happen. Oh, you're right. It's not going to happen. What do you mean it's not going to happen? You were just in a meeting. You just heard the voice of God. That's why understanding faith is so important because this is what's going to get you breakthrough after breakthrough and deliverance after deliverance. I'm here to teach you this morning how you can operate in your own faith. Because let me tell you this. The greatest voice of faith you will ever hear is not mine. It's not even who preaches from this platform. It's your own. At three in the morning, when no one's there and no one cares, that's when you have a decision to make about what's coming out of your mouth in terms of what God told you you can have. Your faith will lead to the breakthrough. There will be opposition. In the Garden of Eden, there was a snake. In the promised land, there were giants. And tonight, I'm actually going to talk about how to take the promised land. In the wilderness... With Jesus was the devil himself. You may be sitting here this morning and you feel like you're on a treadmill. You're active, but you're not productive. And that's what needs to change today. You know, in the rat race, even if you win, you're still a rat. You know that, right? God doesn't want you to just go through the motions. God actually wants you to produce something from your life. And the way you're going to produce something from your life is by faith. So let's have a look at this. What is faith based on and where does faith begin? Well, first of all, faith is based on Jesus. It's about a relationship. So I'm going to give you some practical points this morning, but never lose sight of this fact, that it's not about getting the five practical keys to faith. Faith is a relationship with Jesus. That's who we have faith in, and then he gives us a measure of faith to do what he told us we can do. So don't always just look for a formula. If I can have the formula, the five keys to operating in faith, the three keys to operating in the miraculous, there's some practical things you can learn from the Bible and some practical things you can put in place, but it's always about relationship with Jesus. Everything flows from that place. 
All right, so what is faith based on? Based on Jesus. And where do we see faith demonstrated for us? We firstly see it demonstrated for us in His Word. And we may, I think we'll have some time for prophecy tonight. I believe that's what the Lord's wanting to do, and we'll see how the meeting flows. But I get a lot of people come to me and say, Cliff, have you got a word for me? Which is fine. But I wonder, have they read this word? I better put on my bright orange T-shirt today. There's a prophet coming. And I'll make sure I sit up near the front, look very interested bright shirt, big hat, <laughs> got to get his attention because I'm desperate for a word. Sorry if you've got a bright orange t-shirt on. I don't mean to offend anybody this morning. Do you know that you can walk out of this building this morning and get a word that could change your life forever, greater than any prophetic word you've ever seen, and it comes straight out of this word. Why? Because this is the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, You've got to know the Word of God. And that's the problem. A lot of people say, I don't know what God wants to do. So we take the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden, which was, if it be your will, take this cup from me. We've misunderstood that prayer. That prayer was not a prayer of Jesus saying, I don't know what God's will is, and if it be your will. It was a prayer of consecration because the next words were, not my will, but your will be done. And he laid down his life and he went to the cross. Jesus wasn't confused. He knew he needed to go to the cross. He knew that, but he was having to consecrate his flesh and so I'm putting it under the will of God. What we've done is we've taken that prayer and we've said, well, now that's how we're going to run our Christian life. God, if it be your will, open the door. If not, keep the door closed. Sometimes the devil can open doors. You see, if you've been saved five minutes, five days, five weeks, maybe even five months, you can pray, Lord, if it be your will, because you just haven't had enough time to find out what is the will. But if you've been saved a long time, you can no longer pray if it be your will, because that's the prayer of a lazy Christian who hasn't bothered to find out what is the will of God. So here's my challenge to you. This time next year, mark it in your diary, October 2020. It will be the year when you know and get to know this more than you get to know anything else. I people come in all the time with prayer. I don't know what God's will is. And then you ask them what they're doing. Yeah, and, they, and they've just binge watched four series of Netflix. And, and I'm not against that. I've watched a few Netflix myself and whatever. But if you, if you so desperately want to know what the will of God is, you maybe need to turn something off and open something up and ask him. He's not a silent God. He's a God who happens to speak. And he's been waiting for you to say, please turn the noise off, switch things down. I want to hear you. I want you to hear me. I've got some things to say to you because it's very difficult to know what the will of God is if you don't know what the word of God says. And where does faith begin? Faith begins where the will of God is known. How do you know what to put your faith in if you don't know what his will is? It's really Christianity 101. 
And in this day and age, we've got more access to Bibles and translations, but it's one of the most Bible illiterate generations we've had. People just don't want to read. Well, I'm going to just download the next podcast from so-and-so. Let me, let me, can I just, and, and I, I listen to some myself, but listen, if your whole life is characterized by just going Monday to Friday, listening to different preachers, different podcasts all the time, you're probably going to end up being one of the most messed up Christians theologically. God put you in a house. This is the primary place where you should be getting fed. I'm not saying don't listen to other things. I do. But this is where God put you. And when stuff's being taught from this pulpit by this leadership under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we don't need people to say, well, so-and-so said something else. But you're not in so-and-so's church. You're in this one. I'm a happy, I'm a happy person. Don't worry. I'm just... I'm just it's not even in my notes. I'm just feeling led by the Spirit to speak on certain things. My heart is this, is we can have a great move today, and we can have a great move tonight, and we had one last week, and you've got good leaders here that are going to teach you and train you and keep you in what God's got for you, as they've been doing for nearly the last 30 years. This is one of the great churches in Australia, if not in the world. We absolutely love this church and love the leaders, and their purpose here is to get you to grow up. So you can operate in your faith. So you've got to come and drink regularly from the place God planted you so you can grow and become everything that God's called you to be. I go to conferences, but let's be honest. Many of us have become Christian conference junkies. So-and-so's in town. Great, honor them, love them, have learned heaps from them. But let me tell you, so-and-so, no matter how good they are, can't help you put this in yourself like you can. So what happens? This is what happens. People go to so-and-so's, and I'm not using names because then people think I'm against someone. You go to so-and-so's conference, and they preach faith, and you have an encounter with God, and then you run on that for three months, and then it starts to run a little dry. But the next conference is coming, praise God. So-and-so's coming to town. Because I'm feeling, I don't know about you, brother, but I've been going through a wilderness. I've been going through a desert experience. What about you? I don't go through desert experiences. I don't. People say you're going through a wilderness season. I feel the tangible presence of God every single day of my life. I don't have a wilderness experience. Sorry. Other things may get stripped away, but I know that he's always there, and it's not a case of I wonder if he's there. I tangibly feel his presence every single day of my life, and you can too. But we go to the next conference, because so-and-so's coming, and boom, you might get called out. Out of a 1,000 people, they might call you out, prophesy over you. I mean, I've had it happen to me. It's phenomenal. It's awesome. But then what I've learned is I can have all that happen, and all the euphoria that goes with that, I've got to go and do something with that. I was in a meeting a couple of years ago and said, oh, prof, please, God, let this guy prophesy over me. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, how many more prophecies do you want, Cliff? <laughs> You've got a folder full. <laughs> oh, what? One more, Lord, one more. <laughs> one more will be nice. Just so I know you still love me. <laughs> I 
Anyway, come tonight expectant for prophecy because that's a good thing. I'm not, not, I'm not knocking those things, all right? People think I'm not against that. I'm totally 100, you know me, I'm totally 100% for that. All I'm saying is there comes a place where you as a believer have got to start putting in the yards yourself. Nothing can replace you putting in the yards yourself. You know, because then you don't have to say, well, I wonder what God's will is on this subject. I wonder what God's will is on. No, I know what his will is. And I, the one thing I know for sure, 100%, is that I am blessed and I cannot be cursed. It's something I've studied out in the scriptures. So therefore, I don't care who says what, prays what, what, which doctor, what. doesn't matter. It doesn't come near me. doesn't touch me. doesn't affect my life because what God has blessed, no man can curse. But if you're open to all that mumbo jumbo, then you'll get right into the midst of the mumbo jumbo. I know it's God's desire to bless and prosper his children. I don't care what anyone's saying. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what the church down the road says. I don't care what, what some famous person says. God's plan is to bless and prosper his children so that they can bless others. How do you fulfill the command of Jesus to feed the poor if you have no food yourself? It's lunacy. People don't think past the second part of that verse. These are things I've predetermined. So when my circumstances tell me otherwise, my faith kicks in and says there's a difference between my circumstances and what God said I can have. And the way I'm going to bridge that is by pressing in in faith, being immovable, standing, seizing hold of, confidently expecting, believing that God, you're going to bless me and you're going to get me through this. And not only are you going to bless me, but there's going to be leftovers that I'm going to be able to give to someone else. And every single time God delivers. Why? Because I know it's in his word. So if you know his word, you will know his will. If you know his will, that's where faith can operate. Faith is not a shot in the dark hoping to hit something. That's not faith. That's called good luck. The church doesn't need good luck. You don't need good luck. You need to know what the Word of God is. And, and people often say to me, well, Cliff, that's fine. I understand that. I get that. But let me, let, let me just say, how do you know things that are not in the Bible? Like, who should I marry? Because there's some biblical names in there. You probably wouldn't marry someone who's named some of them. I mean, there's some great ones. And then there's some others that are not great. You know? And there's some really great ones. What if your wife or your husband's name's not in the Bible? So where do I find that out, God? Here's what I've learned. You keep doing the known will of God, and he will lead you into the bits that you do not know. Because the place you want to find your wife or your husband is when you're doing this. And if they're doing this, and you're doing this, and you come together, that's going to be a good match. Oh, they'll change. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'll change them. They're not in church now, but they're interested in God. No, 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 no. Let's just rewind. He's not interested in God. He's interested in you, and he will tell you whatever you want to hear to get what he wants to get. Hello? When I saw this young lady, she'd been in church years, came highly recommended. 
But you know what? You know what did it for me? I mean, I, for me, it was like love at first sight. It took her like another six months. It's normally the case. The guys have to like really grind it out. And then, you know, the ladies come to the, oh, yes, okay, I do love you. And anyway, th- that was our journey. But I was sitting in a conference, and it was a pastor's conference, and she was leading worship. She's not a, not a pastor, just leading worship. And all the pastors were standing like this. And she walks off the platform and says to a whole group, a whole room full of pastors, she said, this is why your churches don't worship on a Sunday. Because you don't worship. They're a total reflection of you. And if you want your churches to worship on Sunday, you should start worshiping now. And I was like, I like that. I like that. Young people, if you're wanting to get married, check out for a while. For, get, a, get a few perspectives. Talk to your leaders. Do you know that leaders have an ability to see a clown? When we, we, we've, we've been around a little bit. We know a clown when we see one. Because we've seen a few come into the church. I've seen a man walk up to the front to, quote, give his life to God to get a girl. He's not even saved today. Now listen, people will do immeasurable things. You'll be surprised. Just wait six months. Let's see if that relationship with God is genuine. Let's see if it's worth something. Because you need to, known will, known will, you come together and you find out the unknown will of God. You get going on the mission that God has for you. Don't make that your primary purpose and saying, should I sit on this side this morning? Should I sit on that side this morning? He normally sits there. I think I better sit here. Maybe we can... We've all been there. Everybody, be honest. Just get on fire. And I'll tell you what, you get on fire and they get on fire, God will hook you up and then it'll be a double fire. Anyway, that's for free. How do we get faith and how do we grow in faith? This is so important. Number one, be committed to the hearing of the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith has an origin. Faith has a voice. And if faith comes, faith can go. It's like going to the gym. You can go for six months, build up muscle. Just stop for three weeks and then see what happens to you. It's like you think, how did I go back so far? Because faith is a muscle that must constantly be exercised. So why is this important? It's, not, it's you getting in a place like this place, like this church, and every week you're hearing the word of God. What's it doing? It's building something on the inside of you. You may not notice all of it now, today, or in two weeks, but in a year from now, you suddenly come up and you think, something's changed on the inside. I see things differently. I'm viewing things differently. Why? Because you got under the hearing of the word of God, and that started to grow your faith. That's why people that come to church once, once, of, you know, once a month don't expect to be someone of great faith. It's like going to gym once a month. Good luck with it. Number two, you need to meditate on the Word of God. So you need to hear it, and then you need to meditate on it. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night 
that you may observe all and do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will deal wisely and have good success. You will not have success in your life until you learn to meditate on the Word of God. What does meditate mean? It means two things. It means to give quality thought to something. In other words, I'm not going to just get through 10 verses. I'm going to sit on that one verse, and I'm going to let that get into my spirit. And the second meaning of meditate is it means to mutter. How many of you have muttered when you lost your car keys? <laughs> or you got home late one night and there's nothing in the fridge? Da, 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 da. We're actually meant to do that with the Word of God all the time. In the car, getting in the car, getting out the car, driving. We're taking a scripture, a particular verse that God's put on our heart. And we just, because what are you doing? You're building it into your spirit. And whatever gets put into your spirit, you don't know what's happening, but there's going to come a day when it comes out of your spirit. I've been in some places, I mean, you know, just, just in, I think just the other day, we were sitting in, in, uh, in the mall here, and some group came up to us with this book about now, I'm not saved because I don't believe God's a mother, and they had all the scriptures and everything like that. And we, it, was, it was actually on Monday, I and mean, we just finished ministering here, and you're a little bit tired and whatever, and, and, I, and, and I called them back, and I said, all right, you've got two minutes, but then I want two minutes. And she had all her notes and everything. I had nothing, no notes. But I'm telling you, in a moment, the verses just came. Just boom. This is what it is. And I said, you know, the problem with your message is you don't have Jesus in your message. And I'm here today to tell you about Jesus, that he died for you, that he loves you. And the senior person quickly stood up and said, we're done here, and grabbed the junior person and walked off. Because Jesus will bring a division. And I don't mind. I wasn't being harsh with him. But, but it's what's in here if it's not in here, it can't come out. So when you're meditating on scriptures that I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, that's what's going to pop out of you when you need it. And when the enemy's coming at you like a flood, you can rise up and say, no, I'm going to push back the flood because of the word that's coming out from you. Remember, the greatest voice of faith you'll ever hear is your own. So you need to get the word in you, and then you need to start speaking the word out of you. Are you one of those old time, confess it, name it, claim it? Yes! And I'm not old. Because I... Not yet. Thank you for that. I didn't get that from some TV program. That's in the Bible. And if God said you can have it, you better start naming and claiming it. I'm telling you now. You see, why is this important? Because you have to learn to, and listen to this carefully, you have to learn to think what the Bible says, not I think this is what the Bible says. Let me say that again. You have to think what the Bible says. In other words, his thoughts are your thoughts, not I think this is what the Bible says. I think ain't going to help you. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he couldn't stand there and say, I think it is written. He had to say, it is written. It is written. You have to learn to meditate on the Word of God. Nearly done. This goes, this, this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. You must give the Word of God first place in your life. If the Word of God's not first in your life, then you're going to be missing what God wants you to have. Now, let me ask you this. Is it really first place in your life? 
Let me ask you, this is, this is sometimes a tough question, but let me ask it. How many of you opened your Bibles for the first time today when you walked in here and I said, turn to Hebrews 11? Don't put your hand up. But if that's the only Bible you're going to read today or hear today, then I might want to challenge you to say, is it really first in your life? In other words, I do what it says it does, and I'm not going to... You see, I, I settled, like the tithing debate, I settled that honestly in like the first six months as a Christian. Not because of some preacher, but because I saw it in the Bible. And I've just done it my whole life. We've just, and we, we haven't got into a religious rut. We do it by faith, but we still do it. And then you'll find someone, this is what happens. You'll find someone, they'll come to you and say, well, I found an article on Google, Cliff, that says we shouldn't tithe. Do you know who wrote the article on Google? It could be some 50-year-old man living out of his mother's garage, sitting in a dark corner with an iPad 2 because he can't afford the latest iPad, but he's typing an article in Google telling you that you shouldn't tithe. Really? Is that the example you want to follow? That's the thing that floors me. I say to our church, look at us. You can see us. We hear most weeks. You can see our marriage, you can see our life, you can see what God's doing, and then people want to point you to some article on Google that they don't even know who wrote the article. Look to where you can see what God's doing. You see, word of God, first place in your life, I'm not going to argue, I'm not going to debate, I'm not going to make up a reason why, I'm just going to get on and do it. James 1.22, be doers of the word. And let me give you this one, I'm going to speak to some more things tonight, let me give you this one to close this morning. Pray in the Spirit. Pray, if you want to build up your faith, you have to pray in the Spirit. Jude verse 20. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Make progress by praying in the Holy Spirit. I wasn't around in the 50s and 60s. But I've spoken to people that were when there was a great charismatic move that went through Australia and went through New Zealand. I was around. I wasn't around, but they were telling me what happened. And they used to pray in tongues through the whole night for these people. They'd have prayer meetings from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and all they would do is pray in the Spirit. Now you try and find a Pentecostal church that even allows praying in tongues on a Sunday morning. And try and find a Pentecostal Christian who actually prays in tongues for more than five minutes a day. And we wonder why we have no miracles. We wonder why there's no breakthrough because basically we're, we're all little spiritual babies who've never grown our spirits because the spirit's the most important part of you and that part of you has never grown and one of the great ways you grow that is by praying in tongues, by praying in the Holy Spirit. So what is this message about today? It's about you taking ownership of your life. Well, it's his fault, her Get over all that and say, I'm not where I should be, probably because I have not done what God wanted me to do. But he loves me and he's not hard with me, but he's making that change today. That change is happening today. So come on, close your eyes very quickly, please. So you can close your eyes. I want to ask quickly, and then I'm going to pray for something very specific this morning. And tonight, we're going to just 
You know, I know there's the kids' ministry this morning, and um, we want to honor that, but tonight we're going to just go for it, absolutely. But if you've come into this place today, and you don't know Jesus, I want to pray for you today. I want to introduce you to him. So maybe you've come into this place and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've heard about him. You've been in this atmosphere. You know that there's other people that have. A friend has invited you. But you've never made that decision yourself. It is the best decision you can ever make. Jesus came and he died on a cross and he rose three days later to take away your sin and my sin that we can know him personally. And then when we leave this planet, we go to be with him forever and eternity in heaven. Because hell was never made for people. It was made for the devil and his cohorts, not for people. And God rescued us from that. So if you've never, ever given your life to Jesus, or you've come in here this morning, and you used to be on fire for God, but something happened, a tragedy hit your life, your business collapsed, something happened that you couldn't explain, and you thought to yourself, where's God? and you got upset, and you walked away, but somehow you find yourself back here today, I want to tell you, He still loves you. He's the God of the second chance, the third chance, and the fourth chance, and He wants you to come back to Him today. And He'll set your feet on a solid rock and take you where He wants to take you. If you fit into any one of those two categories, I'm going to ask you very quickly just to put your hand up so I can see. You always want to give this call in case there's anybody that wants to respond today. Just lift your hand nice and high. If there's anybody here today, Thank you so much. Anyone else, it'll be my privilege to pray for you. Just lift it nice and high and say, Cliff, that's me. I'm coming to Jesus for the first time or I just need to get right with God today. I need to get back to that place where I was on fire with Him. Anyone else, just quickly raise your hand. Thank you. Those that raise their hands, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of living my own way. And today, I turn to you and I say, Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior of my life. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Come on, let's put our hands together. Brave people responding. I want to encourage you, if you responded, I'm going to put the responsibility on you to tell someone before you left. Tell the person who brought you or tell a friend or tell one of the leaders and say, I prayed that prayer for whatever reason and let them just spend some time with you because there's some great things on the other side of that journey. The second thing I want to do this morning before we close is if you know, and, and this is where you're going to have to break this, if you know that fear is a part of your life, it causes anxiety, it causes a whole bunch of issues, worry, concern, and you know that I've heard a message on faith today, but there's fear on the inside of me, I don't know if I can do this, I want to ask you very quickly to come out of your seat and come right up to the front. And I know that's a fearful thing to do, but that's how you're going to break this thing off your life. And we're going to lay hands on you. Because what happens is this. When you embrace fear in the beginning, thank you so much. It's a thought pattern. But the longer you leave it as a thought pattern, the spirit will actually come around your life. And then you find, I just can't break that. I just can't be free of that. 
And I don't want anyone in this place to leave this building today having heard a message on faith and how to grow in faith and then walk out with fear. We're going to deal with that today. Fear's, fear's not from him. Fear's from the devil. John 10 verse 10, it's very simple. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I have come that they may have life and may have life in abundance. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the devil. If it's stealing your peace, it's the devil. If it's stealing your sleep at night, it's the devil. If it's stealing your health, it's the devil. We've got to stop saying, well, maybe it's God. It's not God. God does not bring fear. The only fear is the reverence we have of Him, and that's not the fear that we're talking about this morning. Come on, anyone else? what people think of me don't worry you're gonna go out free you're gonna be happy you're gonna leave here happy this morning because some of you that have come up to the front not only are you gonna get free of fear but I believe you're gonna get a dose of the joy and you're gonna walk out of here thinking I don't need, I came in here depressed I came in here anxious I'm walking out here happy Jesus Come on, I feel his fire now. See, this is my problem. It's 5 to 12, and I feel like, hey, we're about to get, like the, about to just get rocking and rolling. So we have the same issues at home. It's, it's not an issue, it's just the way it is. But we got tonight. We got tonight. So those of you that have responded, just lift your hands. I'm going to just break this thing off you. Might lay hands on some of you, but I'm gonna ask you just to engage with him. And someone people don't even have to lay hands on you necessarily. The power of God can just hit you right where you are, and you can be totally free. So, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for every person that's responded. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over fear in this place. Fear, you go now. We break your hold now in Jesus' name. Of every heart, of every mind, of every life, we say, go in Jesus' name. Go. We break your hold now. Every thought pattern, every life to be rearranged, to be changed right now in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Come on, that's, it. that's His power now. Just begin to encounter Him. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.